the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Pete Peterson is the dean of the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. Welcome in, sir. Great to be with you, Chris. Greetings from Malibu, California. Oh, what's your weather like there? Is it as beautiful as they say? I mean, despite the fact it's California, we all understand that. Yeah, it is here on the coast, uh, probably will be in the, the low 80s. But over the hill, as we say, in the valley, it's it's going to be triple digits today. So I mean, I mean is Malibu still, again, I know we we joke, and not that Philadelphia is much better, but I mean, it. Uh, you know, we California's in a rough state. Everybody kind of understands that uh, in terms of governance yeah. and whatnot. But, but Malibu, that's, it's in songs. It's Hollywood lore that Malibu's <laughs> where you want to live, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a bubble out here, I have to say. And I, I grew up in New Jersey, right? So I'm, a, I'm an East Coast guy. I definitely know that uh, the the challenges that we have out here in state government. But there is a bit of a bubble-like existence here on the coast, I must say. So I, this is actually, I kind of accidentally swerved into something. But I think it kind of dovetails with what I want to talk to you about today, your piece in the Washington Times um, interestingly, um, you, you some, crafted something called the Philadelphia Statement on civil discourse and strengthening of liberal democracy. And I want to get into the merits of it in just a moment. But generally speaking, it's sort of a, as a jumping off subject. What do you say to people who, because I have this discussion from time to time, I, I think Alec Baldwin is a very funny actor. I like the work that he does on 30 Rock. I, Kevin Spacey, I mean, obviously turned out to be, a, a, like I say, a real deviant, like a monster. But I, I right. love his acting. Are we capable in this country anymore of saying, I really like his or her music, I really like his or her acting, I can't stand their politics or who they are as people? Well, I think, unfortunately, that's becoming increasingly uh, rare. Uh, Certainly the mission behind this Philadelphia statement, which I've signed on to a number uh, of another uh, academics and activists are supporting this, is not only can we not appreciate artists for the work that they do versus the people they are, but we've gone so much further down the street where if you said the wrong thing on video 15 years ago, that somehow indicates who you are today. This whole cancel culture, obviously, which is which is tearing through academia, but also through our politics and public square is what we're responding to here through this Philadelphia statement. Pete Peterson is uh, with the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. He's the dean there. The piece is in the Washington Times, Thought Control and Cancel Culture Overtakes Colleges and Universities. And this this project, the Philadelphia Statement, why did you name it uh, th- that particularly? It's, no- it's notable that you called it the Philadelphia Statement. We did, and it has its origins uh, in some thinking that was going on, uh, some meetings that happened there in your city uh, going back about six months ago. We have some people from Philadelphia. uh, Archbishop Emeritus Chaput is 
one of the the signatories and certainly one of the the real founders, if you will, of the statement itself. But it also certainly harkens to uh, Philadelphia at the founding, right, which was uh, thinking about our founding principles and the importance of not only civil discourse, but free discourse, free thought. And uh, so the the marriage of of both the, the geographic relevance, but also the historical relevance is is why we called it the Philadelphia Statement. Colleges are increasingly, as we all understand and know, um, pretty hostile to people who don't have a certain point of view politically generally. Pepperdine is one of those kind of last outliers, right? I mean, if if parents are legitimately looking for a school where their kids aren't going to be indoctrinated, and and by the way, it doesn't even necessarily mean they're pro-conservative. It just means they're willing to speak and they harbor independent thought and discussion. That's still a standard at Pepperdine. It still is, and Chris, it's, I'm obviously at the graduate policy school. We have uh, students that come to us after their undergraduate experience, and it's another one of the reasons why I signed on to this statement. As, as the dean of a graduate policy school, I've just seen over the last several years an increasing number of students who come to us from very good undergraduate programs who, frankly, have either... Uh, are conservatives who've never been able to express themselves in their in their college or university experience, or we have a diverse student body with progressive students who come to us who frankly have never heard of a conservative perspective, and certainly they're going to hear that uh, here with us. And so it's really, again, not necessarily trying to force conservative principles down students' throats, but at least opening up the dialogue so students from both sides of the aisle can understand not only what they think, but what the other side thinks. And, of course, as a grad school that sends students out into politics and, and policy, it's it's so important to understand how the other side thinks. Do you find, I mean, it's funny what you've just said, I'm imagining that kids who come from other institutions and then come to study at Pepperdine, they must be somewhat like an abused dog, you know, who, who, who aren't accustomed to being treated well. And they, you know, every time there's a loud noise, they kind of you know, jump or get startled, right? No, you're so right, Chris. I mean, just a, a funny quick story. One of our, our first-year students uh, last fall came into my office after the first couple days, and she was almost trembling. And uh, she said, uh, Dean Peterson, I, I just have to say the experience that I had in class today, I had one of my fellow students put a coffee mug up on his desk at the start of class and, it, and it, on the side of the mug it said a cup for liberal tears <laughs> and she said uh, she said if someone would have done that in my undergraduate school he would have been thrown out of class wow and Isn't that sad? here was somebody just really meaning it obviously in a joking way and it was all taken really humorously but because we practice what we call viewpoint diversity in the classroom this was something that she had never seen before, and she went to a very good undergraduate school in the Northeast. And uh, so there is some of that uh, remediation, if you will, that happens here. Pete, do you think there's a reckoning coming for higher education generally? I mean, I know, obviously, you work at Pepperdine. You're going to want to be careful here in how you answer it, obviously. But I, I, I just find that COVID has actually done something kind of remarkable inadvertently. Uh, and the way some of these schools are handling themselves, I'm, I think a lot of people are starting to take a good, hard look at what they're getting for the money. I totally agree. I, I think it's coming from a couple different directions. I, I, there is a movement afoot 
uh, by donors to know more about what's happening on the college campuses that they give to. And I think they are increasingly unhappy as a group about what's happening on the college campuses. We've seen these uh, pulling back of, of donations, major donations in the millions to major colleges after donors find out what's been happening on their colleges or universities. In the public college landscape, we've seen some uh, state legislatures start to get more involved in seeing where are our state tax funds going to, what are they supporting. And so it's starting in the red states, but you're starting to see it move into the blue states where legislatures and voters are really becoming increasingly concerned and, and trying to find out where is our, what is our money supporting? Is it supporting an education for, for future public leaders, or is it going really toward indoctrination? And unfortunately, uh, I think there's increasing evidence that in a lot of these places, it's really indoctrination and not education that we're paying for. This piece in the Washington Times, co-authored by Pete Peterson, who's our guest today from uh, Pepperdine's School of uh, Public Policy, it's headline, Thought Control and Cancel Culture Overtakes Colleges and Universities. Let me read this closing paragraph that you wrote, Pete, because it's such a love letter to us here, even though you live there in Malibu. I, you know, Philadelphia always loves a minute to take a vow, and uh, you guys did it here. <laughs> I love this. We believe that by returning to its foundational commitments, higher education can change our culture for the better. The Constitutional Convention of 1787, memorably described by Catherine Drinker Bowen as the miracle in Philadelphia, nearly two and a half centuries later, we'd settle for this signal on the Schuylkill to reaffirm our national commitment to viewpoint diversity and civic dialogue. I love it. Signal on the Schuylkill. Yes, no, and, and that's really what we intended for. This is a public document. It's up at thephillystatement.org. And while I was a part of a group of 20 or so initial signatories, we're, we're up around 7,000 signatures now online to this document. And, and folks can look at it at the website and sign on digitally to support it. And, again, opportunities like this, Chris, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to promote this because there are people on both sides of the aisle. I think, things, as you say, things have gotten to such a place both in our colleges and also out in the public square where this cancel culture and inability to express yourself in good faith I really don't believe is is a sustainable trend. Yeah, and we do. We just must. We must. We have to get back to a place where I can stridently disagree with you politically, but but still like you. And I I, I come yeah. I come away from conversations with people where I know they disagree. I'll even say, you know, we'll have a lovely conversation about something apolitical, and then maybe they'll ask me what what do you do, and then I tell them, and then you know what do you talk about? I tell them, well, I'm a, you know I'm a conservative, I'm a talk show host. But I said, you know, you may not like a thing I say, but I always say, but I hope. That doesn't impact how lovely this conversation's been. And I, it shouldn't, yeah. right? It shouldn't. And, of course, that's what we, we try to practice at the Graduate Policy School. We have students, again, from across the – while we come from a, a center-right position, our students are actually a pretty diverse group. And, and in that, so many relationships are built between people of goodwill, and they can have different perspectives on politics, but this cancel culture – has really shut down the opportunity to get to know people uh, beyond beyond the headlines, so to speak. Goodwill. That is the word. That is the word I love, and it's it's lacking, and it's necessary to have any kind of you know progress going forward. It has to be parties of goodwill, even if you disagree. Goodwill is lacking, though. So, um, Pete, thank you for your time. I hope you'll come back more regularly. 
I look forward to it, Chris. It's been great to be with you. Likewise. Pete Peterson with the signal on the Schuylkill. I love that. They call it the Philadelphia Statement. Go check it out. And by the way, if you're looking for a school to send your kids that's not run by lunatics, maybe consider that's a, isn't that a sad statement that your new your new slug line for your university is Pepperdine, we're not lunatics. <laughs> but anymore, it's it's just true. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Hugh Hewitt for townhall.com. When the headlines in major newspapers around the world all communicate the same message, something huge has indeed happened. And indeed, the peace accord of Israel with the United Arab Emirates is huge. The role of modern trios linked in Middle East history by the title Peacemaker has now expanded to three. There was Egyptian President Sadat, Israeli Prime Minister Begin, and President Carter in 78. Jordan's King Hussein, Israeli Prime Minister Rabin in Clinton in 94. And now Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed, MBZ of the United Arab Emirates, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, and President Trump. It's an enormous win for peace in the region. If the Nobel Committee is truly seeking to encourage and not merely applaud peace, they'll give the prize to all three leaders for this enormous and unforeseen breakthrough on one of the most intractable problems in one of the most delicate regions of the world. Bravo to all involved. I'm Hugh Hewitt. The Pepperdine School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program for leaders. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.